Welcome to The Power of Makeup, brought to you by timely business management software. As a trailblazer for cruelty-free vegan products, celebrity makeup artist Justine Jenkins has been one of the major forces in raising awareness in the cosmetics industry. This passion led to her writing Sustainable Beauty in December 2021, and today she discusses how if you speak your truth and show passion, you can have an impact and find success. You've got the title of cruelty-free and vegan, you know, and that's a conscious decision that you've made yourself to be, even though you do everything, you've been in industry for quite a long time. And you're in a very prominent position where you do film, TV, but mainly celebrities, red carpet, you know, working really high-end clients. Um, and it's such a lovely thing that you're, you've introduced the cruelty-free because I feel like it's passing and it's growing and people are getting to know about it more and it's becoming a big thing and you were an early adopter for this so um so you know just tell me why as a maker we'll go back into how you got into it but why have you consciously done that obviously I think what what happened was um so it was about 2012 Hmm. and um I've always been interested in the more kind of like natural side of beauty um I mean all sides of beauty but I was very very interested in um using natural ingredients and so I did a course on how to make your own natural cosmetics Mm. and this course was taught by a brilliant biochemist and um, part of the course was how to read labels and she was going through all the different symbols that you can find on the back of products and then she came up with the leaping bunny symbol and explained that that was too notify the consumer that this product was not tested on animals yeah and I was like excuse me (laughs) what do you mean not tested on animals surely nothing's tested on animals now you know and when I was 18 I went on anti-vivisection marches and I literally just assumed that animal testing in the cosmetics industry anyway Mm. was a thing of the dark ages a thing of the past and I almost like was didn't quite believe what she was saying and she said go home and research it and I did and I you know (laughs) the bottom fell out of my world so to speak I had no idea and I thought to myself well if I don't have an any idea and I'm an industry professional and an animal lover how is anyone else going to have an idea you know know about this and I started asking friends I started asking other industry colleagues and nobody knew And I felt that it was this like dark, ugly secret that was being hidden by the beauty industry because Mm. when I delved further into it, um, I realized there was a lot of marketing language covering up the truth. Mm. And so I really just felt that I felt very passionate about making a stand. And, um, you know, I I am somebody that I like to live my life and have values where I can sleep peacefully at night. Mm. And it was just then once you know and you've seen the imagery, there's no going back. And um, I I just felt that there needed to be awareness out there and somebody had to do it. So I thought, well, um, I need to do this. I need to kind of show 
people sort of the truth and and t- talk about it, make it an open conversation, because I'm sure, you know, I was always convinced, I think we, you know, we, we have a brilliant industry full of wonderful people. And I was pretty convinced that the brands weren't, you know, wanting <laughs> to test yeah. on animals. But maybe, you know, consumer pressure and industry pressure would change things and um, and stop those laws being in place. So mm. that's something that I just sort of was, you know, that, that, that then became my kind of, I felt my role in the industry really was to highlight this awareness to, you know, not to, not to dictate to anybody mm. what they should or shouldn't do, but just so people have, can make an informed choice, I you mean, know, for themselves. Quite, um... It's quite normal now, don't you think? Like, where people do know the difference if it is vegan or cruelty-free or natural. And, you know, I've had a, a client before that requested, you know, only use natural products or vegan products. I went, okay, no problem. Obviously, I had to go through a list to double make sure because not everything has the bunny sign or says it, you know, but you saw... This is true. Um, especially well, like brands the old to- brands. Yeah, now they but do. Brands have to pay for certification as uh-huh. well. I see. So. so not all brands want to make that decision. So if they don't have the the symbols on the back and the certification, it doesn't necessarily mean they aren't cruelty-free. Mm-hmm. You know, so so in that case, it's important to really, you know, research. do your own research. Um, but also I came across, I had um, uh, my first kind of, red carpet event when I was now sort of you know I'd, I'd identified myself as a cruelty-free makeup artist yeah. and um uh my first sort of red carpet event came up and I was like I'm gonna you know I'm doing this as a cruelty-free red carpet and I chose a couple of brands that were on their website said all the right things and then afterwards I realized that they weren't certified by anybody so I did the, the red carpet event, a magazine sort of covered the piece. I did my, you know, because I'd started to write a lot of articles, yeah. trying to get places to take them. Um, just as a little aside from that, I'll go back to the red carpet event in a second, but I'd started to sort of try and spread awareness by writing That's articles right. yeah, and things like that. that yeah. And, um, but of course, magazines, a lot of them wouldn't take them because they didn't want to upset their advertisers. Mm. So this was before kind of the internet really exploded with blogs yeah. and things like this. I wrote, I wrote a few articles um, on the Huffington Post and things like that and uh, the Sunday supplements um, and some online, you know, online blogs. But, you know, there was that to contend with. You know, the magazines were like, at the time anyway, yeah. like, oh, we can't upset the advertisers. And if you have a very big beauty brand advertising that aren't cruelty free you know they're not going to want to sort of upset the apple cart so to speak Mm. um so anyway back to the the red carpet event and um this magazine did do a piece on it and um and then this these two particular brands i realized afterwards i was like oh they're not certified by leaping bunny or peter so i messaged them and i said oh you know we need to you know, you're, you're not certified, you know, is there a reason for that? And they were like, oh, yeah, we don't have the resources for to do anything like that at the moment. So I was like, okay. I said, well, I'll offer you my services for free. I'll do all of the paperwork. I'll do all of the, wow. you know, I'll be the middleman in between you both. Because I, I was like, I really want to be able to get the right brand certified. So people yeah. know it's easier yeah. then for consumers and for makeup artists to sort of know what brands are cruelty free and um and this kind of 
wall came down I was basically ghosted um yeah and uh I was like oh wow this 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 I did not expect I spoke to Peter at the time and I was like very confused and I spoke to them about it and they said oh yeah basically if they're not genuinely cruelty free they don't want anybody meddling in the business they they just want to kind of they put their kind of um statement on their website we don't test on animals we don't pair third party we don't do this we don't do that we don't do that and then the last four words at the end unless required by law and that negates everything that they've said and so it was a hard lesson to learn um but then I realized that actually you can't just take what a brand says because I'm not saying that every brand is out there to deceive yeah. But sometimes they don't really know themselves about their supply chain of their ingredients and their manufacturing supplies. They don't actually know. So you really do have to do your research um, if they're not certified, because the certifications are really useful because they do all the auditing for you. Um, so it means it's 100 percent if they've yeah. got the certification. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. Um, so that, that and then the law changed in 2013 and the EU banned any testing happening within the EU. So that was a big, huge step, a big, huge milestone. But of course, brands were still testing in other in countries. Other countries. Yeah. 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 I think that's so, why you have um, to Google that list. But you, in your yeah. book, you've done this list, this new book. Tell me about this. This book is it all about um, sustain, obviously sustainability, called- but is it? Yeah, it's called Sustainable Beauty. And uh, it's basically, I'd had this idea of, because obviously, you know, I want to help other people be as ethical as possible as much as I can, but I only have a certain amount of time in the day. So answering questions and things Mm. is really enjoyable, but really time consuming. So I'd had this idea just to sort of put my knowledge, um, because, you know, years and years of research. And I thought if I can just put that down somewhere, then that's accessible to other people to then begin their own journey. And, um, um, but I had sort of that imposter syndrome thing of, you know, oh, I can't really do that, you know, what I can't do that. And then literally a publisher came to me and said, would you write this book for us? And, and I thought, well, okay, the universe is telling me, look, you've got to do this now, you know, there's no hiding. Yeah. So, um, and so I did. And um, uh, it's probably the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, but obviously very, very rewarding. And I've just written the reprint because I obviously things change and I've read some of it and think to myself, I was obviously really tired when I wrote that part. I could definitely make that read better. So I've rewritten a lot of it and uh, updated it. And so the second reprint is, is out soon. And it's basically there for people who do want to make more ethical choices um and don't really know what to do or how to start so it's for consumers it's also for other makeup artists if they want to start their journey in being a bit more ethical and for brands as well to kind of know really what you know for them to have an idea of 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 what to look at because you know sustainability is a very overused word and Mm. anyone can say they're sustainable now but hopefully in the book I try to break it down to what it actually means and obviously it means different things to different people. I've yet to come across many brands that tick all the boxes. Oh, so really? I think yeah, I think you have to sort of really 
look at what's important to you. I mean, most people, when you say to them sustainability, uh, they think of packaging. But yeah, that's the first packaging. Thing was, but yeah. It's the first thing you think mm-hmm. of. But really, packaging is just the tip of the iceberg because right. you may, you know, I could you could argue, are you really a sustainable brand if you have really, you know, recyclable packaging? but you don't pay your workers a fair living wage, you know, or, you know, your, your waste management is horrific or you cause a lot of aquatic damage with your yeah. product, you know, so there's so much to think about really. Um, yeah. And hopefully the book gives an idea of, of what sustainability actually means and what you can do as an individual to, you know, make a change because it's all about individuals making even small changes yeah. because, as we know, you know, that one person you think you you can't make a difference. But if everybody thought like that, nothing would change. So and are you finding that it's um, affecting your work at all with your clients or are they just like wanting to learn more? They're happy about it or are there, are there people that just definitely just want to because I'm not saying that you're like, oh, you know, brainwashing everyone, but you're just doing your thing. Um, does it restrict you what your work is or? I would say that most all of my clients have been really supportive you know they all are very interested in um what I'm doing and as I say I never I never push my 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 morals or my ethics on -hmm. on views on people um but if they ask I will you know I will explain Mm -hmm. I'll tell them and um I think that so everybody's been really supportive which is lovely uh I think personally obviously um, I have had my moments of um, struggle. I've lost my mojo at times, I feel, mm. when because I, I don't use the big brands that other makeup artists use. So I've got to find, and I'm still having to make people look good on red carpets, do front covers of magazines. So I have to find those textures, those colours, those brands else, you know, I have to find them elsewhere. So there's a lot of research involved. Um, you know, I mix up a lot of my own still pigments yeah. and things just because I, I, you know, I struggle to find certain things. Um, so a lot of it is is a bit of alchemy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's definitely a million percent better than it was 10 years yeah. ago. Oh, no, definitely. <laughs> because when I had to curate my kit and, you know, I had clients where it was just completely vegan, cruelty-free, you know, I dwelled into everything and I had to double-check all the products I was using was 100% vegan. You know, I was pleasantly surprised, actually, how much yes. I had in there. So it, not like from, and, and- um back in the days when we were only using body shop or a few or exactly uh, mineral yeah. makeup and stuff. Um, so it has come a long way. It's definitely come a long way, but I, I find sort of oftentimes I hit a brick wall in terms of I'll find a great um, cruelty-free and vegan brand or product, but the packaging is really yeah. bad. Or it will be a really lovely, natural and organic product, but it's not vegan. So because uh-huh, obviously yeah. they are different, you know, yeah. people tend to sort of think that's another thing I sort of do have in the book is what um different term you know terminology is and what it actually means like what does vegan actually mean what does organic actually mean and the differences so so as I was saying you know it's really hard to find things that sort of tick everything you know there are brands out there luxury brands that you know are cruelty free and vegan and that's amazing but I'm like ah the 
the ingredients or the packaging or ah so yeah. there's always compromise mm. there's always some sort of compromise somewhere you know I, I do the best I can um but it could be better so you know I love all that with the sustainability cruise free um just going back now diving into your career um you know you're more film-based um and you know I used to be know, like I used to be I haven't done a film for like um oh god so the last film I did was probably in like 2001 uh-huh. so for the last like over 20 20 odd years I've been more sort of I mean I don't like the word celebrity but I don't know what else to use yeah, so more celebrity based. but we met obviously we met because we were both a judge for the BAFTA hair That's and right. makeup um uh craft award a few years ago yeah um but I have yeah so I started off in film that was my I did a prosthetics degree oh prosthetics um, mm. yeah so I started off doing prosthetics and film and I did that for a few years and then I did a really difficult film uh which filmed away um and I came back from that going I'm not feeling this anymore and then the next film I got asked to do, I just in my gut was like, I don't, I don't want to do it. I don't want to go. Not? I don't want to do it. What was it about? Um, well, the, the, I mean, this, this film I did was, um, we had three months in Romania and it was a big sort of Miramax film. I probably can't name any names. I don't want to get sued no, by no, anyone. No. But, no. <laughs> and um, they, it was a war film and they were using the, National Service Army in Romania, um, but they weren't getting paid properly or fed properly. So these chaps were not happy. And um, uh, it just was a very, very difficult experience. And um, I, it was three, it was, it was a brutal three months. And um, they wouldn't, the army wouldn't let the chaps eat unless they were completely sort of de-rigged so they'd you know they'd have the prosthetics on wigs everything and then we'd have to take it all off so they could have their lunch and then afterwards we'd have to put it all back on again and our days were long it was six day weeks and I mean I'd done films before that I loved Mm. I worked on a film called Velvet Goldmine which was all about glam rock and you know that was just yeah. I was in my element and um, but this film was yeah it, it was it was really tough and I came back just not feeling it so yeah. I was like mm, I think I have to pivot my career here and just at that time I had an opportunity to go into more light entertainment so uh, a really good friend of mine Patricia O'Neill she'd said um, I've got this shows come in called x factor i don't know if you want to because i'd said to her i need to like find something else i just can't do film anymore and um she was like why don't you you know come and help me out on that so obviously that then started me doing light entertainment and um who did you look after on x factor was it just like the the singers or the judges or so the first the first series i was looking after so my friend so Patsy looks after Sharon Osbourne. So I was doing the Sharon Osbourne team of artists. Oh, okay. And mm-hmm. yeah, and then I met, and then I started doing the Extra Factor, which is a spin-off show. So I do the singers and then I do the spin-off show. And that's where I met Ben Shepherd. That's where I met Fern Cotton. Um, 
So I then became their makeup artist and then whatever they were going on to do, I would go with them. So that's how my sort of like TV, I suppose, career started. And and then I suppose, again, it pivoted probably about eight years ago. Um, Again, it's funny how it all happens. But again, I sort of then started to meet more publicists and actresses. And I was really loving doing more editorial shoots, doing more red carpet shoots. And as you know, it's um, red carpet clients. And as you know, Lan, it's, it's the industry can be quite pigeonhole. Mm-hmm. You can pigeonhole isn't a word, but you, yeah. it can be quite pigeonhole So I found that when I was doing more television, I wouldn't get, say with Fern, I wouldn't get her editorial shoots because yeah. they saw me as a TV makeup artist. Um, as opposed to an editorial makeup artist and um, at the time I didn't quite understand it but now I am the other side I can see the difference in in subtle differences but there is a difference and um, and so and so yeah then I kind of literally the tv work fell away uh, for one reason or another and then I so I've kind of so I suppose the last eight years or so it's just been editorial you know celebrity work um red carpet work press junkets uh and I love it that's I think that's it for me now I'm I think I've tried everything (laughs) you've tried everything and are you doing it all by yourself or have you got an agent you know who's been your sort of mentor or helped you um to do what you you've because I mean you've you keep reinventing yourself in the different arenas right well I, I I've never had an agent um I think I think there's a couple of reasons for that when I started off um in film at that time you didn't have agents in that world uh agents were more sort of for fashion uh makeup artists and you you know it just I think it's different now but at the time you didn't so I was never used to working with an agent and I've toyed with the idea. I've been in to see agents, um, especially now doing more sort of uh, working more with actresses. It's, you know, it, it, it's something that most people do. But I have a PA, a lovely woman called Michelle, who basically does all of my paperwork and my invoicing and everything. Mm. And um, we've sort of been working together for 10 years. And I just think that I'm probably a bit too controlling <laughs> to have an agent. I kind of like to know every detail of what I'm doing. I like to talk to people myself and I like to ask questions. And also the money side of things and negotiating, that doesn't really bother me because I used to work in the city. I was a stockbroker before I was a makeup artist. A stockbroker? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so how did you actually learn makeup then from being a stockbroker? Let's rewind, please. Okay, okay, rewind. So uh, I'd always wanted to be a makeup artist ever since I was about 17, but I didn't know any other makeup artists and I didn't know anybody in the industry. So it was just something that was a bit of um, a bit of a sort of dream, really. And And then I sort of went traveling, as you do when you're a teenager, and I came back, got a job. In, a, in the city, in this in, uh, investment company. And I just worked my way up. And they obviously saw something in me. And I ended up being uh, the private client, the dealer for the private client department in a big investment company. 
and um, I was very good at it. And so I did that for eight years and I always knew it wasn't in my heart and I wanted to do something else, but I still at this moment didn't know how to go about it. And I, and I think I was scared of failure because it was my dream. And I think I felt if I tried my dream and it didn't work, what would I do? Where would I go? You know, I'd be crestfallen, you know, what, there was no plan B. That's all I wanted to do really. And so I think it was the day where that changed and it was almost like the, the fear of not trying was worse than the fear of failing. And I thought if I don't try, I'm going to be here forever. And, um, you know, it was a very, very good job. It just wasn't something that, you know, filled my soul. So um, I, I went down to part-time and told them I was leaving. I went down to part-time because they asked me to train up my uh, successor. And I did a part-time course at the London College of Fashion. Yeah. I thought well, first of all I tried to get into the degree course which was the prosthetics wigs everything and I didn't get in the first time and I'd tried everything I did life drawing courses because they needed an art portfolio uh, so I did yeah. sculpt, sculpting classes life drawing classes fine art classes like literally every hour of every day I was doing a class to build up this portfolio to apply for this course and I did all of that and I didn't get in. So I was like, oh, what am I going to do? But there was this fashion makeup course, which was a part-time course. And it fitted in perfectly with the hours that I would need to do to in the city to train up my mm -hmm. successor. So that's what I did. So I did that part-time course. And actually, I think to this day, I had, there, was a, it was a, there was a brilliant tutor on that course. And I think I probably learned more. <laughs> on that course well it was it's different isn't it it's different makeup yeah. but I had so much fun and I loved I, I would say I probably not didn't learn more but I loved that course more than the the three-year degree course that I then went on to do after that mm. um and so but while I was doing the degree course I started working so um I met two people Patricia O'Neill two makeup artists Patricia O'Neill and Lindsay Bowen and they were very, very instrumental in kind of taking me under their wing. And I assisted them. And um, a friend of mine, James O'Brien, was a producer at MTV. And he was like, come and do the MTV Awards. Mm -hmm. And um, I assisted Patricia Lindsay and the lovely Liz Pugh. She was, um, she was doing the awards. And after that, uh, Patsy and Lindsay just used to give me their work that they couldn't do at MTV. So then all of a sudden I was in MTV doing band makeup presenters that came through. Uh, and this was before I'd even really, I hadn't trained. This was before I'd even trained. So at one point I was in my part-time job in the city. I was doing jobs at MTV and I was doing my part-time course at London College of Fashion. Um, and those were great times because it, it was just so, so much fun. MTV back in the day was a great place to work. Um, and then obviously things got a bit more intense when I went off to do the degree, but, mm. uh, I met a wonderful makeup artist called Nikita Ray. Um, I bumped into this, all these stories you see, I think you just have to take opportunities, don't you? When they, when they come about. So, uh, do you remember the 
department store Dickens and Jones. Oh yeah, Dickens and Jones. I used to love Dickens and Jones because nobody was ever <laughs> like in there. Phoenix and uh, yeah, yeah, thought them amazing. Like all these beauty yeah. pools that nobody really knew about. It was always mm. quiet in there, so I loved it in there. And I remember chatting to a guy at the time. I was also going after work in the city. I was then the bar, uh, the Royal Shakespeare Company was just over the road at the Barbican. And um, I used to go after work and help out there in the in the wig and makeup department. I used to volunteer for them, helping them with backstage changes. And they taught me a lot there. And um, and then when I was in Dickens and Jones one day in the beauty hall, I met um, a guy who was working behind the counter and he knew a lot about beauty, more than you would imagine somebody that worked mm. uh, in Dickens and Jones would. And I happened to mention, I said, you, you really know your stuff. These are my girlfriend's a makeup artist. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, what did, you know, what's she doing? We were chatting and he was like, she works on, on films. I was like, amazing. We had a really great chat. I left Dickens and Jones just as they were closing. And I thought, I'm going to give him my number just in case his girlfriend ever needs like an assistant or anything. So I ran back in. I said, I hope you don't think I'm being presumptuous. Here's my details. Anyway, literally a couple of days later, Nikita calls me and says, what are you doing next week? I'm on this movie. Do you, do you want to come and be our sort of trainee? And um, I had to pull a sickie from my, my job in the city because I couldn't get the t- I, I think I took some holiday and pulled a sickie and got two weeks off and just was on film set so one minute I'm up in the city not knowing what to do and the next minute I'm on a film set with Peter O'Toole starting you know film starring Peter yeah. O'Toole and Harvey Keitel and I was just like wow, wow this is incredible um so she really really gave me so I would say Patsy Lindsay Nikita um really gave me um my sort of first opportunities and and then it's just like a domino effect yeah. isn't it? you meet other people you meet other makeup artists they need people and it just kind of grows that's what I love about like your your journeys because you know you've chosen you've gone with your gut you've chosen your opportunities and you've just taken them and you know that whole emphasis of like you just never know what's going to happen and now I can see hence the glow that you always have you're always so happy and I feel like you do take those chances um which is really nice and um you have to, I think, Lam, with everything in life, I think. Mm-hmm. You have to sort of, I think, you know, don't be shy about it because the worst somebody can say is no. Yeah. So what would you, you know? tell your younger self then, if any assistants or potential artists um, looking up to you, um, what sort of advice would you, or I would say that you would have liked to have known or someone told you? I would just don't give up, I think, you know, because it's a hard industry. It's hard to get into. Um, I would say don't give up and, you know, be nice, be kind to everybody because, you know, the, the, that karma will come back and, you know, and hit you. Um, and don't overthink things. Don't worry. Just do your thing. And and also be yourself. Don't try and be somebody else. I think be mm. true to who you are. There's, there's, a, there's a lovely saying that I like, which is... Um, uh, don't dim your light for anybody find the people that fan your flame and I think you know that that's the key is just be really true to who you are don't don't veer away from that um you know be good to everybody 
you know, I know that some people say, you know, you've got to be quite hard to be in our industry yeah, and hard nosed, but. You know, you're you. I'm, I'm me. Everyone's I'm, everyone. I'm such a softie. I could never be, you know, a tough. No- I mean, I could be a tough. No- well, do you know what? You be, rock but... around with your red lips and your headband, and you're a very slick look. I don't know. You know, it's only when you open your <laughs> like, Oh, she's so sweet. Do you think there's a? Do you think there's a tough nut behind there, Land? <laughs> oh yeah, there's definitely a tough nut there because you wouldn't be doing what you're doing because, like, from your journey, you can see you took very practical steps you know to get where you were it wasn't like oh you, you weren't here say like I fancied doing this or that you actually had to I could tell that you were thinking about it and then you just went for your gut and it pushed you the edge to do it but you did it you know for long periods of time it wasn't like you were filtering around you did it until it was enough no it's it a lot of hard really work years of hard a work lot of hard work yeah and, and I would also say that to other people mm. as well it's like you know be patient and persevere like it took me sort of five or six years to really start to become established mm. You know, I know it happens a lot quicker for some people, especially now, you know, when I started out, there was no Instagram, there was no social media. So people can have, you know, a lot, you know, exposure a lot quicker now, Mm. um, which has, I think, its pros and its cons. But, you know, back then there was none of it. So, um, you know, you you did just have to graft. You really did. Um, and And I also think that that's sort of maybe that little bit of control nature I had which makes me feel that I wouldn't suit having an agent maybe I would maybe it means it needs the right person the right one maybe I mean every every time I've had sort of a meeting it's never quite felt right and as I say I have lovely Michelle that does all of my kind of all the hard stuff really all the paperwork and the chasing up of invoicing and things like that I often think it's just a bonus when you have an agent, you know, it's just other people that champion you. And it's a, you know, with me and mine, it's just like a partnership. It's like management. So I still like work with other people, but it's just a freedom to do what you like. So exactly. That's you know, what you need. You need you that You are in control, thing. but you know, you can still yeah. after other people to help you. Um, yes. I just want to thank you for your time, but I um, just want to ask, you know, you wear red lips. So what's your relationship with makeup personally? Because people often say, Ah, you're a makeup artist, but you don't wear much makeup. I tend to wear a lot sometimes, but then pandemic, I don't. But yeah, whole confidence thing, and it's only when my skin got really good that I had the confidence not to wear a lot of makeup. So, what is yes. your, your I well, I think, I mean, obviously, when I was younger, I used to spend a lot of time, you know, experimenting and and doing different looks. I mean, I was uh, when I was a teenager, I was a goth, so obviously, I kind of you know was into my makeup. Um. But as an adult, you know, as, a, as, a, as an adult, I don't want to spend a lot of time on my own makeup. Um, I don't know if that is because I love spending a lot of time doing other people's makeup that I, I just I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just like a very, very quick, easy routine. Yeah. So I try and take care of my skin because I don't want to wear, uh, mm. you know, a heavy foundation. Um, and I just think red lipstick, I've always loved uh, anything you know vintage clothes vintage makeup I'm you know very very interested in vintage looks and red red lipstick is very synonymous with that yeah. so a lot of the clothes I wear it just goes with it goes with and the red yeah. it cheers me up oh. like putting on my red lipstick uh, makes me smile I love the color I love the vibrancy and it it just feels like it's me um yeah and it it makes me be able to do my makeup in like a couple of minutes and still look like I've made a bit of an effort. 
Okay. So, <laughs> so it's kind of like the thing that's like I've made an effort look everyone yeah. but it's actually taken me 10 seconds yeah, um, true, but that, that's you the professional so <laughs> exactly so I yeah I, I mean I remember the first time I ever wore red lipstick before midday I thought who the hell do I think I am you know <laughs> and uh, now it's like and now it's like it's even normal. if I've got a 4am call time I'm like yeah that's yeah. going on you know oh that's amazing it gets me out the door Lan. it gets yeah. me out the door <laughs> Well, see, I just want to thank you so much because we're running out of time and I know you're in a hotel. Um, thank you so much for giving up your, your evening. And, uh, Thanks for having me, I really me, enjoy getting to know you on here. So um, hopefully I get to see we you should, soon. You're going to come and visit. I hope to get to see you soon. We should and, do this um, again. Yes.